Out of Tonsilla Files, and welcome to another episode of Escaping the Cave. It is Tonsilla X Pod. I am your friendly and congenial host on most days. I'm friendly. I'm sometimes congenial. I am always the host. <laughs> I do amuse myself. Hope you're good. Record date on this one is the 17th of November, 2022. I think this is number, is it 112 or 113? I don't know. And it's going to be a quick one. I'm incorporating a lot of new things here. I guess I'll consider this some housekeeping. I may start live streaming some of these. Did a little experiment on this uh, yesterday. And it went okay. I'm doing it on a very limited basis to a very small audience at this point. I have a very private Facebook group that's been on and off for, I don't know, yeah, probably five years. In different iterations, this is the second version of it. After all, the liberals went away. <laughs> but I uh, recorded a little something-something last night and decided I would save it to that via Facebook. And it didn't go too bad. I'm, like I said, staying with the in-laws in their basement. This is actually Studio 2. I think I talked about this at one point. Studio 1 was Chicago. Studio 2 was this place. Studio 3 was the one that you've seen and are familiar with from the last few years. And Studio 4 is coming very, very soon. Within the next week, we, 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 get, we take possession of our home, our new house, next week. And then there's going to be this process putting stuff together there. Anyway. So I'm kind of fighting, uh, uh, you know, being in unfamiliar grounds, equipment, this whole setup. <laughs> I've got two computers and I've got, uh, got the, the iPhone. I've got this webcam here, the lights and, and all this other stuff that's going on. So it's been a little weird. I am kind of fighting this stuff, but I'm, I, I feel like I'm staging myself for what's going to happen when we finally get over there and get into this place long term. It's a home, right? We, uh, it's got a nice little studio space up there, so I'm trying to figure out what it is I want to do uh, when I get over there. We finally take possession of it next week. It'll be nice to have our own space again. It's going to be nice for the in-laws to have us out of here too, I'm sure. Uh, and then I can start putting this thing together. It's going to be a little bit of a learning curve over there, a little bit of a, an adjustment period, but I feel like, I hesitate to say this, there may be something coming. It's a little more consistency. And I do want to expand this out because I, I did like how that felt yesterday. I didn't really expect to. I mean, there's something very different about recording, doing a live show. I can talk about this in, in terms of radio. You old radio people will understand this. And you I, I don't even need to explain it to you. It's the difference between recording a show, voice tracking a show, and doing something live. It's completely different. The first year of my radio career, I was recording everything. And then I got my first live gig. Oh, boy. Uh, that's a different animal. There's no retakes. You got to do everything right. And uh, you're, you're standing there naked. You fuck up. You're naked right there in front of everybody. Everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to hear it. And I noticed that energy last night when I clicked the uh, live stream and I started actually streaming this thing. It's like, oh, everything sharpened up. Now, I remember that from radio too. Like, oh boy, you have to, you, you need to be prepared. You have to have everything outlined. You got to be ready to go. You got to know what you're going to do because there are no retakes there, right? I kind of enjoyed that aspect of it last night. I didn't really expect to so much. So I've kind of taken that attitude. I think that I'm going to do a little bit more with that kind of stuff, the, the live stuff, the video stuff, uh, once we get moved over to the house. And that will help. Also, if I have to 
set up a schedule where I'm doing a live stream and people are actually have to be there to, to, to see it if they want to see me be a goofball live anyway, then it'll force me to actually sit down and do a show at a specific time on a specific day every single week. And that should help with the uh, regularity of the show, of this show, of the podcast itself. This is primarily a podcast. I'm doing the video stuff. I'm releasing the videos as sort of a supplement. But this is, a, at its heart, at its soul, a podcast, at least for right now. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. I've got a, I'm not uh, a video guy. Although I do enjoy this. So anyway, that's, that's the plan. Ha-ha. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Like I said, we're into that house next week. We finally take possession of it. After two months, uh, the, the sellers are finally going to be out of there. Moving to a little tiny town. Also, another uh, tuning of the horn here. Tuning? Tooting? Tuning or tooting? I don't know what I just said, but I'm going to toot it quite... Uh, toot, toot. Uh, the uh, YouTube channel. I've been adding some other uh, stuff, some uh, drone videos I've been shooting the last month or so. I'm really enjoying these things. I almost killed it yesterday. I took it up uh, yesterday morning, and we're, we're in the middle of a, a, snowstorm, a winter storm here in Michigan. We're supposed to get 6 to 12 inches between now and Saturday. They've got storm warnings all over the place, and we're getting snow now. But anyway, it started yesterday. I took the drone out in the backyard here. We're in a perfect place to fly this. We've got a woods right across the way here, and then there's a, a golf course a little uh, that way. And so I can fly over the golf course. I can fly over the woods, learn how to use these things, learn how to um, how they handle and all this, learn the photography out of this. A little bit different. You know, you got to do it over with this remote control. I don't have it in here. Uh, but I took it out yesterday because there was some snow on the ground and it was gorgeous. I mean, in a desolate winter sort of way because there was a lot of fog out there. It was one of those days where it was just over 32 degrees, right? There's moisture in the air. There's snow on the ground. And I'm going to go out there and I'm like, ooh, this is neat. Now, I can't say I can't plead ignorance here. I've heard and understand that you're not supposed to fly drones in the fog. Fog is moisture. You might as well be flying it in a little drizzle, right, in certain conditions. But I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I had to do it because, I mean, the, 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 the landscape, the visuals were just fantastic. And I took that guy up there. Performed great. It was great. I was getting some neat shots, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to fly it over this woods. I feel confident about this now, and I'm going to fly it out over the woods. And as soon as I started moving that way, just a little bit, got over the woods, I got this big red signal on the controller saying that the motors were overloaded and there, there may be ice collecting on the rotors. That's exactly what happened. I had, to, I had to land. I had to rush it down, bring it back in, and... and and uh, get it on the ground, basically, before it plummeted out of the air or burnt up. I don't know what would have happened, but there was. There was, it was, there was a little bit of ice, small, tiny amount of ice collected on the rotors and on the, uh, the arms of the drone. Uh, that's what happens with airplanes. When they get ice on the wings or, on the, I guess, on the props, they just fall right out of the sky sometimes. <laughs> so I almost did that yesterday. It was, anyway, there's a video up there. That was one of the things. It's, it's a, like a minute and a half. It wasn't a lot of footage there, but that's the kind of stuff that I've been uploading to YouTube in addition to the occasional clip uh, from this. I still have a lot more from the last episode uh, that I need to get out there. Speaking of the last episode, <laughs> we had an election. Did you, did you hear about it? Did you hear about maybe uh, a little democracy going on last week? A lot of people were shocked. The uh, blue wave, now the red wave this time, it didn't happen. It was much like the, the blue wave from a few years ago. You remember how the, the Democrats 
were supposed to sweep in and, and, and just dominate everything and then didn't quite do it, although they would like you to believe they did. Well, the same thing happened last week. I think as a culture and as a society and as friends, you and I, I think we need to just take these pollsters and throw them in a volcano. I don't think they know what they're doing anymore. This was supposed to be a Republican bloodbath last week. I was taken by surprise. I mean, who wasn't, right? There's some good news here because at least here in Michigan and nationwide, now some of Trump's cronies, his little candidates, did win. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think she doubled up uh, her Democratic opponent. I don't know what happened to Rambo Barrow out there in Colorado. She was in a dogfight. I think she was ahead last thing. I don't know if that's been called yet. But Carrie Lake shocked me. I was I was pretty sure she was going to win Arizona's governorship. I got more on her coming at some point. Maybe not today. She's somebody to keep an eye on. And here in Michigan, Trump's candidates did not do well at all. Uh, Tudor Dixon didn't even come close to beating Gretchen Whitmer. We've got another four years of uh, Gretchen. I mean, it just was not a good a good day for Trump candidates. And so there's a little bit of hope there. I mean, I, I, I don't like the tactic. I don't know how much I talked about. I don't know. Did I talk about Peter Meyer? I don't think I did last week. And maybe I did. I don't remember. But the Democrats decided they were going to go out and they were going to fund the guy, John Gibbs. That's his name. I was trying to think of his name. They were going to fund John Gibbs, who was primary, primarying Peter Meyer, the incumbent Republican, sort of a centrist guy, voted against, voted to impeach Trump. All right, so he's an anti-Trump Republican. The DCCC decided they were going to fund his Trump-backed candidate in the primaries. They basically funded his entire campaign. Almost all of the money that went to John Gibbs came from the DCCC. John Gibbs won the primary. So Peter Meyer wasn't on the ballot last week. It was John Gibbs against this Hillary Skolton woman. Uh, and Skolton won. Tactically, I can understand why you would do that. But what does that say where Democrats are willing to give money to Republicans to have the Trump candidates on the ballot? Because they find it much easier to beat a Trump candidate than they do a, a rational, commonsensical, a, a, a sensible Republican. What does that say? I may have some, some Trump lovers listen to this podcast. I'm not a Trump lover. If you're new... You may be hearing me uh, rail against wokeism and think that I like Donald Trump. You got another thing coming. I am not a Trump guy. We can be allies here with the, the cultural woke flakeism and all this other stuff, but if you think that you're going to get, you know, Trump love, and that isn't going to happen. Just understand that, okay? Yesterday, Trump, two days ago, which would have been the 15th, Donald Trump decided he was going to uh, come out and triumphantly announce his candidacy for 2024, everybody knew it was coming anyway. I watched some of his announcement, and probably about the, probably the first half of it, just out of curiosity. And boy, I mean, drowsy Don, maybe that's what we'll have. Sleepy Joe versus drowsy. He, did not, he didn't look like Donald Trump. He did not look like his heart was in it the other day. Now, what I think was that he saw every, you know, the information and the predictions everybody else did leading up to the midterms. He thought that the Republicans were going to just dominate everything in the midterms, he probably thought his candidates were going to do a lot better than they actually did, despite the rhetoric, despite what he said during the, uh, the announcement. I don't know if Donald Trump is, has ever been introspective, has ever felt any sort of self-awareness, but he may have on Tuesday. He may have been, that may have been the Donald Trump version, what you're going to see 
uh, whenever Trump has his tail between his legs. He, there was no energy there. There was just, hmm. And some other people made some interesting points. You know, these investigations that are going on. A lot of people are, are, are saying, lots of people are saying, I can't do it, Trump, uh, that uh, he's running basically to protect himself from these investigations because it does give, it gives him cover. They can always say, well, the only reason that they're charging me with this stuff and indicting me with, the, with these charges is because I'm running for president. They don't want me to be president. It gives him government. And, of course, the White Walkers, his, his base, his supporters, they're going to eat that up. Oh, there's nothing there. They just want to keep him from being president again. So we'll see. That was not the Donald Trump we were used to, not the Donald Trump I was accustomed to. But, yeah, that shit show, that side show, apparently... It's kind of, although I haven't really, I haven't been watching too much TV. Maybe there's been more to it the last couple of days. I don't know. He's officially in it now, so I guess about two years out. A full two years out. The 2024 presidential campaign is already officially underway. He's the only candidate in it. Boy, that's too much. Too much politics, man. Too much campaigning. And it's been nice, I gotta say, for the last year and a half, not having him. Sucking the oxygen out of the political room has been nice. Maybe he's calmed himself down a little bit. Maybe the testosterone level was sucked out of his bloodstream with the the results from the midterms last week. I hope so. One other thing we did learn, I think, from the midterms, and I touched on this uh, going the other direction with it, I think, last week. Abortion is a big deal in this country. I didn't expect abortion to trump the economy as much as it did, but... I guess we shouldn't be surprised. And this is another thing about uh, the conservatives that I really don't understand. I mean, I guess I do in the context that hypocrisy isn't apparent in the mirror. <laughs> but they all wanted Roe versus Wade overturned. And one of the things that they always said was, well, you know, when we overturn Roe versus Wade, it doesn't really outlaw, outlaw abortion. It just sends it back to the states so that the states can decide. Well, the states are deciding. Here in Michigan, it wasn't even close. Nothing. What did you expect? The problem is, is that the people on both ends of the spectrum, as is always the case with extremists, they always suck the air out of the room. They always dominate the coverage. Like when you think of pro-abortionists, you think of people who think that, well, anything up to nine months, until I say it's okay to pass through my vagina, you're not a human being. You've got those people on one extreme, and then you've got people who think you're committing genocide when you jerk off into a sock. (laughs) I wish they could just cancel each other out. I wish we could put all of those people on planes. (laughs) You thought I was going to say crash into the ocean. No. Send it to a desert island. I don't want to kill them. I don't want them to die. I just want them to go away, to get out of the conversation. Maybe to, ooh, cut off their fingers and remove their vocal cords. That way they can't do anything on the phones. I should be king. I tell my wife that all the time. Kingzilla. I decree you don't want that. This shouldn't be, you know, a big shock here. That uh, Democrats, women, abortion supporters uh, got out and they voted. And I, again, I'm going to come back to Trump's negative impact on this. I'm surprised. And considering, you know, my, my main focus the last couple of years, at least the last year anyway, the, at least the, this part of 2022 has been the woke stuff. I am not unoptimistic here. I am not completely disappointed in what happened because I think that in, in conjunction with wokeism, on the other side, we've got to worry about Trumpism. Seeing either one of these two extremes recede is a good thing. They both need to recede in time, but seeing Trumpism sort of be repudiated in the midterm elections, that's not a terrible thing. 
Not at all. something else that I've noticed that's becoming a bit of a pattern here, and that's with uh, Twitter's drama. After Elon Musk purchased the uh, platform, so much has happened. I mean, there's been so much drama, firing half the staff. He's, he's talking about bankruptcy being a possibility, having problems with the verification system. He, he's, he's just all over the place. And out there saying that, uh, what is it? What did he say the other day? That uh, Twitter needs to be the place people go for truth, like it needs to be this truth farm. <laughs> I mentioned this last week, you know, well, great. Then you've got to determine who's, what's the truth. You've got to have that truth ministry established. I'm not going to get, get back into that again, but it seems like it's just, it's, it's a cesspool, just full of chaos. There's no stability with that platform now. And with the bankruptcy talk, you know, I'm not going to write him off. He just strikes me as one of those people you don't second guess. You don't doubt until everything is said and done. He's accomplished a lot with his companies. Uh, hopefully. For his sake, anyway, I hope he can pull this out. But Facebook has lost, I'm trying to see if I can find it here. I think I, I closed the uh, window. Has lost something like 70% of its value this year. How much is that? It's uh, something down the line of Google, a Google's valuation worth of loss. In other words, they lost so much money this year that the money they lost is the valuation of Google. They put all of their money into the virtual reality stuff, <laughs> creepy metaverse that uh, Zuckerberg's trying to trying to get his uh, foothold in. But I don't know. I, I've noticed that Facebook, in my personal experience anyway, and I, I don't know how much of this is just me and my friends or how much of this is, is, is a common experience throughout the platform, but it has seemed to me that engagement and use of that platform has plummeted. Now, I've seen news stories about how you know people are basically fleeing the platform for other places, and I've noticed this with my own stuff. That it's just, there's no, but nothing going on. I've gone to my friend's profiles thinking maybe, well, maybe the algorithm's not showing me stuff that they're putting up. They're just very few people who are using it on a regular basis the way they used to. They're gone. They're doing other things. They're not involved with the platform. I scroll through it. I've had it on my phone up until a couple of days ago. I finally took it back off after a long time. Uh, and you scroll through it and all you see, you don't see anybody saying anything. You see these memes. You see these these videos, the, the reels. They're trying to move to a video-themed platform. A lot TikTok. I can't beat them, join them kind of thing. There's no engagement going on. I'm just watching video, maybe occasionally like a friend, uh, friend's picture. But there's nobody really saying anything. The, the conversations and the dialogue, I think that's it. The dialogue seems to have uh, dropped off. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, All the stuff that I've said about Facebook and Twitter over the last uh, couple of years, this may be the evolution of that. Maybe this is exactly where it needs to go, right? But you look at Twitter, you look at Facebook, boy, neither one of those places are in good shape. I have nothing to do with TikTok. I, I listened to a uh, Joe Rogan segment where he grabbed TikTok's terms of service and started reading them. I did support Trump in his uh, attempts to at least keep an eye on TikTok. And a lot of other people, a lot of people in uh, a couple of congressmen and other people are saying now that, yeah, that probably should have been addressed early. The data farming, all this other stuff that's going on with it is just uh, the uh, government is probably going to take a deeper, darker look 
<laughs> at what they're doing with that data. There were attempts to interfere with the 2016 election. Aside from Donald Trump, uh, whether or not he got assistance from this, that, or the other thing, it doesn't matter. There was interference. There were people interfering via social media with the election in 2016, fueling disinformation and fueling dissension on both sides of the, the political spectrum. Cambridge Analytica was involved with a lot of this. You remember that, that name, I'm sure. What do you think if, if China really wanted, I'm not, I'm not saying China wanted A or B elected. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if they wanted to sow dissension, if they wanted to interfere in the political process in 2024, or 2028 or whatever, and TikTok is left to collect all this data. If you think back to what Cambridge Analytica was doing with the data they had, TikTok, the data that they're collecting, what would a government, the Chinese government, be able to do with that kind of data? I hope that it's, I'm not saying I want TikTok shut down. I don't know anything. About, I, I've never, I've never TikToked, uh, but I want them looked at. I want that looked at. No, knowing what we know about social media, knowing how, what we know about these algorithms, knowing what we know about how it can affect people's uh, perceptions, how it can sow divisions. I want that looked at. I support anything, any politician, any group is doing to at least look at that and consider it and expose it if there is, you know, some nefarious uh, goal there. I wonder if this is, you know, considering Twitter and Facebook, as I just mentioned, I wonder if this is sort of the downswing of the social media era. Are we moving towards something else? I don't know. But it feels like things have just sort of mm, turned a corner away from wherever it is we were in the 20-teens. I don't know that that's a bad thing. Attention, please. Flight 92 arriving at gate 6. That's flight 92 arriving at gate 6. And finally, I think I'll wrap this up with a, a piece of good news this week. Uh, the Artemis rocket finally went into space yesterday. Wednesday morning, I was in here and I knew that they were trying to launch this thing. <laughs> and, uh, I completely missed the launch. It's been delayed a bunch of times. I was actually getting concerned that they weren't going to be able to get this thing up in the air, that it was just going to turn into this embarrassing failure on NASA's part, where SpaceX is sending all the stuff up and NASA can't get their rocket off the ground. But Artemis is in the air. It's got the Orion capsule on there. It's headed to the moon, finally. They've got some wonderful video. Uh, NASA does. <laughs> if you can imagine... The moon landing in, in 1969, like leading up to that, the entire Apollo program, Gemini and all this, leading up to this, and now we've got HD video of what's happening with these. Oh, it's just fantastic. I've talked about this a number of times on the show. This is where human beings, I'll say it again, and I'm a, you know, I'm, I thought about putting some clips in after this, uh, some, some other things that I've talked about over the years, because this is where I think human beings, this is where we belong. Exploration. It's where we've always been at our best. It's what we do best. I get really excited about this stuff. And I really am looking forward to Orion getting to the moon. I think it's going, it takes like four days to get there. And then it's got to, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it's got to do. Like I said, I kind of was afraid this whole thing was going to be an embarrassing failure. So I haven't paid too much attention to it. I hate to say that, but I'm just so cynical. Mm. You know, but even with the James Webb, when that went up last year, it's been almost a year since the launch now. I was expecting the thing to blow up after all this money, all this time put into it. 
And then I was like, oh, God, I really want to see what this telescope brings back. But God damn it, there's so much stuff that has to go right, like 300 and some odd precision, precise moves and deployments and proper. Oh, so much has to go right. It's just, uh, and with just everything, my attitude is like, oh, this has to fail. This just has to fail, doesn't it? And I was like, oh, please don't let it because that telescope, oh, my God, the stuff it could bring back. And it did. Did get plunked by a pretty good-sized meteorite at some point. <laughs> but, yeah, it's been a, a really interesting year between that and then the Perseverance thing. I talked about that. That was, what, a year and a half ago already. It could be the beginning of a new golden age of space exploration, at least with our little area, our little neighborhood of the solar system. And with the, the telescope between Hubble and Webb looking into deep space, uh, this is the one thing that would make me want to live to be 300 years old, just so I could see what happens, so I could see all of this stuff as it's discovered. I would love to see us get to not only Mars. I hope, and I assume that we're at least going to try to get to Mars sometime in my lifetime. And I'm not really all that young anymore. You need to get going on this. I'd like to see us move past that. Send something to Venus. I mean, I know we've been to Venus, or the Russians have been to Venus. We've gotten imagery from Venus, but something more. And beyond that, heading beyond human beings, sending human beings beyond Mars. I'd love to be around for that. I'd love to be around when they finally uh, come up with that little uh, probe that they're talking about, NASA. Maybe the, the ESA, I don't know who it was, but they're talking about sending a probe to one of those moons of uh, Jupiter or uh, Saturn. I don't want to say which one because I don't want to get it wrong, but the one that's covered in ice. It's got like 10 miles ice, a planetary ocean beneath it, they think. They're going to send a probe that's going to be able to melt its way through that ice to get into that ocean. I want to be around to see that. I didn't get my Apollo. We never got what we were entitled to. My generation never got its Apollo mission. All we got was the space shuttle. The space program basically went dormant after Apollo. I mean, it, it just amazes me that uh, we're finally sending human beings back to the moon. I'm over 50. I don't think we've been there maybe but twice and two or three times in my lifetime. Why haven't we been back there? And what I'd like to know also is why haven't other countries? But I think maybe... You know, with China sending their, their own little probes and uh, rovers around Mars, they've set uh, things up on the moon, the dark side of the moon. And maybe they're uh, playing the role that the Soviets played in the 1960s, pushing us, this country, to get there. But that kind of competition, it's good for us. If it pushes and nudges us toward that sort of exploration, those discoveries making us a multi-planetary species, that's good. That's what human beings do. That's where we are our best. When we're trying to get someplace. Someplace that somebody says we can't get to. We've always done that since, the, the, since we were in, the, in Africa's cradle. We've been going places because it's there. One group of people died trying. Well, we're going to try it. We're going to do it. We're going to succeed this time. We are like a little virus. In all honesty, I say that in a positive way. We spread ourselves out. We conquer things. We overcome. Sometimes 
Maybe not with the best intentions, maybe not for the most noble of causes. Old explorers, sailors, Magellan and all them, you know, they got to where they were going. They made these discoveries because they were looking for, for spices, ways to make money. Okay. Along the way, they found things. Things happened. Good things happened. This is the same thing. That's why I don't have a problem if you want to go into outer space as a company and you want to go mine an asteroid and you want to get some some mineral off of uh, out of Uranus. <laughs> I got no problem with that. Go do it. Blaze the trail. Go get your rocks. I don't care. Go get your spices. Blaze the trail so other people can follow and do other things. That's what we do as a species. It's always been what we do as a species, and it's where we are at our best. It's where we are most ingenious, adaptable, where we improvise, turn into problem solvers. We have to. We need more of that, in my not-so-humble uh, view. I was going to do something else. I'm not going to do anything else. Escapeinthecave.com, if you want, go ahead. Not much going on over there. I don't even know that I posted the last podcast. Just go to Tonzilla Exit uh, Substack. I should change all that around. YouTube channel is uh, Tonzilla X. At ETC Pod on <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> Too much coffee. Uh, check out those drone videos. I'm enjoying the crap out of those. Not selling anything. Uh, I wouldn't consider them reviews, really. Just me having fun with my drone. Things are going to get weird here in the next uh, for, for the next couple of weeks, anyhow. But uh, I think soon. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it. I'm trying to trying to remain optimistic. <laughs> Who are you looking at? I see you over there. This video thing's weird. It's hard not to look through the camera. Thanks for clicking in. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your patience. And until next time, so long.